Hello and welcome to Paid in Exposure, the podcast hosted by myself, Asheris Brizzy, and my fabulous colleague here, Lucy Alice Burt. If you're new here, hi, hello, and if you're joining us from last week, welcome back. You will know the drill by now. This week's episode, we are asking the question, what is an influencer? We're going to be discussing our ideas surrounding the term, what this means in the online culture, and of course, hearing from you guys in your opinions. But before we dive into it, we like to have a little weekly catch up. So Lucy, what is new with you? I always go silent at that point, isn't it? I'm yeah, you always like, go, mm. um. <laughs> uh, there we go. My, my life has literally not changed. It's been really dull. It hasn't even been photo shoots because the weather's been terrible. Awful. Yeah. So it's literally been a lot of sitting at literally. home. Literally. Literally. Been sitting at home a lot. I started watching Love is Blind on Netflix and went, what the f- is this so if you guys are thinking what she's talking about i talked about love is blind which was this new program which i did finish by the way i said i would i've not finished it and i want to because i'm like i want to know what the hell is happening it is one of those ones where you're just questioning everything so you have to watch more to get the answers if that makes sense yeah it wasn't even that though i was watching it i was like they literally say they want to marry the first person that they cry with everyone cried in that show (laughs) and then they cry together and they're like we're soulmates and i'm like no you just cried like for me i just don't trust that process based on like my past because you can like think you've fallen for someone really quickly and you're like oh my god this person's amazing and then two weeks down the line they turn out to be a complete head and you're like oh my god why was I so into you you've just completely ruined every single thought I had about you so yeah for me I'm watching this program going these guys are brave and stupid because I just don't trust that I think you can have an instant connection with someone and then like a week later you're like oh actually no I was wrong it was weird I think I'm on episode three and I do want to finish it because I want to know what's happened and apparently at the end like I've seen little clips and there's some arguments and stuff and I'm Mm. like oh I want to watch it for that I'm not like it's not my go-to watching at the moment I've started Mm. watching the bold type on Amazon Prime. It's a bit like Sex in the City, kind Ooh, of. What's it called? Vibe, the the bold, bold Type. It just follows three girls. It's like that typical thing, they're working in a fashion magazine and they're all, you know, a little bit kind of gutsy and stuff. And it's it's good. Sounds awful. I've basically been like, the last two weeks I've just watched a lot of TV. Have you got admin done or like done anything productively? No, not really, actually. I It's, it's been one of those weeks where just clients have been really stupid. <laughs> Expand, please. <laughs> You know when you're like, I'm so done with stupidity from clients. And I can say this because there's no way that they'll be listening to this. I did a photo shoot with a brand a few weeks ago and they wanted a quick turnaround of images, which I did. They selected their images, blah, 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 blah. I had nothing from them for a whole week. Basically, like last week, my plan was to edit their images. Mm. So they were all going to go through Photoshop. It was going to take a lot more time. This is why I've watched a lot of Netflix. And on Friday, she messaged me like halfway through Friday. We've got some problems with the images. We feel like we can't see the ones that you've sent over for selection. They're just a bit too dark or a bit too overexposed. I'm like, they're not edited because I'm not editing 300 and something images for you Mm. to pick 50 of them. Obviously worded a lot nicer than that. And she's like, we also just feel like the planner isn't like the main focus. I'm like, no. Because you asked for lifestyle images. Yeah. And the inspiration you gave me was, it was one... so terrible. F***ing awful. Two, was not a close-up of a planner. Because mm. that's a product shot on location, not a lifestyle shoot. Obviously, I, you know, went back to them in a very professional way. And I was like, I'm, mm. you know, I'm really sorry. But we can do things with crop. Also, they're, like, low-res. So that's maybe why... They're like, some of them are a bit out of focus. Some of them were out of focus. I went back through and some of them were. But... 
if somebody knows your brand that well on your Instagram, you don't have to be shoving your product down their throat all the time. Yeah. This is what I don't get with companies and brands and things. They're like, it's got to just be the product. I'm like, no, you're showing the lifestyle. I want to shout out to a brand that I know and I've seen because I've like recommended their product to clients and stuff. But I... I follow them on Instagram, but I never really like looked at their Instagram, if that makes sense. Anyway, this kind of popped up on my feed and I was like, that is a really good image. Mm. Clicked on it and it's a brand called Swede Lashes. So they sell exclusively in Harrods and somewhere in the US, I want to say Cos. I don't know, don't quote me on that. But basically their feed is a really nice mix of a product shot of the lashes, which is really high quality very nice like you can see exactly yeah. just the lashes what they look like and they all look fantastic they're not like you know some lash brands you have like maybe one or two that you like and then mm. all the others you're like who's wearing these lashes they are all perfectly suited to like any type of personality so you've got like the very natural ones you've got the big fluttery ones you've got some that are a little bit more dramatic they do like individuals like they've got a really good range product wise anyway but then they've got you know actual celebrities wearing them on red carpet events yeah. So that's really nice because you can see what... They look like at a distance. They can yeah. see what they look like on a face. Yeah, And sometimes a lot of lash brands will do these very like hyper edited, very beauty editorial shots, which aren't realistic to the average consumer or what they're really going to look like. Yeah. Yes, you can see them in very high definition on what they're going to look like on a face, but with lots of makeup and lighting and stuff, it doesn't give a true reflection. So to see the actual like red carpet images or, you know, a selfie that the celebrity has taken wearing the lashes, it's a really nice touch and it's a nice blend of the all of the things so it's yeah. not like loads of products and then loads of selfies they've really blended that and nicely that makes, and i think this links into a lot of what we're going to talk about today yeah that it's just some brands get it and some brands, and some brands don't. really don't and, and the think, brand i'm dealing with really don't get it and i think as well the thing with brands is it's one or other there's no brands that are kind of like in between I either see an Instagram page and I'm like, this brand has nailed it, like yeah. Swede. And I actually messaged them to say, it's really nice to see a company that do vegan, cruelty-free lashes, but have got that luxury feel to them. Yes, they are vegan and cruelty-free, but they're not trying to sell it as like some hippie eco product. They are luxury lashes for everyone, but celebrities like them. So it's not just for celebrities. Yeah. You know, they are a bit more expensive than the average lashes, but they're not totally unaffordable. They're not like 30 pounds, you know. They're in the 10 to 20 mm. range for like really good quality. They're designed by a makeup artist, so they are very well done. You know, yeah. they, they don't feel like a corporate just chucking it out Yeah, we're kind just of throwing thing. out lashes after lashes. So it's a really nice selection. And I messaged them saying like, your Instagram is amazing. I love that you offer vegan cruelty free lashes but the way you've presented them is really nice and they messaged me back saying thank you but then you'll get another brand who totally doesn't get it and it's the complete opposite end of the spectrum and it's like what are you doing yeah and this is what we're kind of going to be talking about today is in influencer culture there's the really good and then the really bad and navigating which one you're gonna be is quite mm. difficult I think because a lot of brands and a lot of consumers actually don't know how to work this industry really which is quite it's because it's so weird new. we're getting onto our topic yeah before we get to our topic it's yeah weird. but yeah anyway carry on with your week no that was basically that's been my week I have just watched Netflix dealt with people who mm. 
sounds really harsh for me, but people who don't know how to do their job or hire a freelancer. Yeah. And I've been to the gym. That's my week. Lush. Love it's it. like standard. So I started off as really exhausted. I had a headache for three solid days. I was working just so hard. And then I just felt so overwhelmed by my to-do lists and feeling super unorganized. Like I need to put so much laundry away. There's so much crap going on. And I just, you know, when you're just like, I want to deep clean my house. I want to go and have like a pamper. I want to go to the gym. I want to do all these things, but I can't because I've got so much other stuff that's more important. So you just kind of put everything to one side. You're like, that can wait. That's not that important. I'll do this. And it got to the point where I was just like, I just feel so overwhelmed. However, I had a nice sleep last night. I had a fresh haircut this morning. I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling positive. And I feel like I've just gone from, again, one extreme to to the the other. other. I was feeling totally drowned in just life and all this stuff that I had to do. And now I'm feeling like really positive, really fresh. So I'm looking to take that into the rest of the week. And also, as you can tell by my voice, guys, I'm no longer ill. I recovered quickly. So yeah, feeling very pleased with myself right now. Feeling very happy. Yeah, so that's that's been my week. Boom. Pet peeve time. Lucy, I know you've got a good one. Yeah, job saying that they're entry level and then requesting like three to five years experience in the job that you're going for. I've had that. Job, stop f***ing doing it. I'm so done with... Actually, to be fair, I'm so done with jobs. Again, I had another rejection email today and I cried again. Don't worry, my motivational quote is all about rejection this week. That's going to probably make me cry again. Still applying for a ton of jobs and... You, I'm like I've narrowed it down so I'm only clicking on entry level ones or I'm only clicking on ones that are within my realm yeah and you're reading the description and then they're gonna pay you sweet like nothing because <laughs> it's like it's an entry level job and then like right at the bottom it's like yeah we require like on the must-haves it's like two years experience I'm like you can't post an entry level job and yeah. then request that they have two years experience because you're posting an entry level job yeah I also like, found the whole that point with... of this job is to get the two years experience so I can go and get a better freaking job also I found that with graduate jobs so they'd be like we are specifically looking for graduates so they can like mold you obviously into what they want so they want someone who's like young fresh got ideas but can take direction rather than someone who's got loads of experience and got their own kind of way of working and doing things yeah so you're like okay great graduate entry-level job again paying not a lot of money and then they're like yeah can you have three years experience in this field can you have these set skills that aren't in your job description so you're like why do I need all these anyway yeah why do I need this experience when that's not what I'm going to be doing and then you remember when you were saying like a lot of people they think that you are a graphic designer a photographer a videographer like all of this stuff and I'm like that's not what I'm applying for and I just ended up applying for only the jobs that if I got I'd be happy to do yeah which I is started what... off applying for like everything and then I was like no I'm not even gonna waste my time with yeah, these applications I got to that stage now and I applied for a junior shoot coordinator with ASOS and that was what I had I had an interview with them and I was so happy I was like oh my gosh this is gonna be amazing mm. this job is totally what I can do maybe I haven't worked as a coordinator before but I've got experience running a creative team I've got experience in a high pressure environment I know how a studio works I know that's all of the this. annoying thing when you have everything, everything. that they require and the then... only thing I didn't have was previous experience in a e-commerce coordinator role that was the only thing but I didn't have but you can have. learn that and like... that was the thing that didn't get me the job 
that see this is so stupid which it's, is why i cried <laughs> like you can do a job with your eyes shut and yeah. not having done it in that particular environment for example like let's say like you've done fashion week you've done working in the pit which if you're thinking what's that that's kind of like the bit at the end where they the- just throw the photographers and we have to fend for ourselves basically yeah. So it's when you're coming down the catwalk and you actually see the nice runway shots of them kind of like face on versus all what influencers post, which is like on the side where they're just kind of like trying to get in. So the pit is like a real minefield for photographers because there's so much going on. You've got to be so quick. Like you don't have a lot of time to get the shot. No. Um, Obviously they're moving. So if you can work in an environment like that, you can work in an environment where someone is standing in front of a white screen perfectly still. Yeah. You know, like... The job wasn't, I wasn't, the job wasn't taking photos or anything like that. It was basically making sure the shoot ran to time. Everyone knew what they were doing. You basically were the digital operators you sat yeah. on the screen you made sure it was in focus it's you quite like copy a, images, blah, you're blah, managing blah, blah. stuff you're basically managing i've done a few e-commerce shoots not a lot but i've done a few but you have to do that yourself as a freelancer as a freelancer exactly like, and i like the first thing i say to people i'm like i graduated uni last year mm. graduated uni and i've worked as a freelancer since then whilst trying to find a job mm. i'm not someone who's got a load of experience bit of a touchy subject at the moment because i was like i really want this job and mm. they're a really lovely office and everything was nice oh, and ASOS offices is so nice. I used to work there and it and was amazing. It just, they all sounded so positive and they were like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I spoke loads about experience of like managing teams and dealing mm. with, high, like I've worked in theatre. I've had a director like shout at me across the stage yeah. and I've had to not break down, be professional, not tell him to go, go do, do one, one. <laughs> and still make sure that my team are okay. I'm like, yeah. I have dealt with 12 hour days, people screaming at me. I feel like I can deal with a studio for six hours a day and also when you're working in theater you don't have time to redo anything you know that's the difference between shooting something that's live versus shooting in a studio so you get to redo it you can change lighting you can change the angle you can change the wind machine you can do anything in a studio and then you photoshop it to absolute shit afterwards to be fair they don't but you've got uh, in a studio you can make mistakes and you can go back yeah whereas when you're working in theater it's all live you know the actors go on stage they do their thing they go off and you've got obviously the stage hands and you've got the stage manager telling you know lights up lights down this that, yeah you've blah, literally blah, blah. got like 30 seconds to do something that if you mess it up oh my god you have ruined everyone no yeah like they know so i think it's so ridiculous when a lot of these employers don't even know how to do the job themselves and they're requiring something of you that is a walk in the park but because you might not have that one field of oh i have worked in this specific environment they think you can't do the job anyway that's yeah. a whole nother episode whole there. so but that's my pet peeve. Jobs jobs asking for a stupid yeah. amount of experience and saying that they're entry level. Yeah. My Actually, just jobs in general. My pet peeve this week is on the influencer front. So I tried to keep it within this week's topic. But I kept seeing on my Instagram this week people posting workwear inspo when they don't work. If you're an influencer who, when I'm saying influencer, I mean like an Instagram influencer. Like a content creator. No, not even a content creator, just like an influencer on Instagram. So you get paid to post photos. You're not even making necessarily YouTube videos or blog posts or something. It's probably the 
most basic entry level influencer i would say the minute you add like a second platform or something else you i feel like you've kind of gone up a tier do you know what i mean because you're doing more stuff so if you're just doing instagram you just have to take a photo maybe you do an instagram video it's not that long that you have on instagram Mm. whereas like if you do youtube you could do like an hour's yeah worth of editing or whatever anyway so they don't really understand the work environment and how comfortable practical or whatever the clothes have to be so when you're posting all this workwear inspo and you're looking at it going you've clearly never done a job in your life because you would not be able to wear that yeah for eight to twelve hours a day you know they're like look at this outfit and i'm like yeah so i can't sit down i can't breathe and i can't walk in that outfit (gasps) but not gonna work yeah but you tell me how these are like perfect every day nine to five pisses me off if you don't work don't post workwear inspo because you don't know if you're say someone who works in fashion and you're posting your workwear that's totally different because you either work in a magazine or you're, you're doing this so you understand yeah. what's and it's actually realistic but if you're just you know posing for instagram photos going this is what i would wear if i had a job shut up don't talk to me i'm so done with people posting about work where when they don't have jobs themselves i know instagram is a job but like it's a bit it's a bit different you can take that off and sit in your underwear all day if you really wanted to (laughs) you can't do that at your job yeah i had a meeting with my manager yesterday and i was already having a bad day and i'm gonna say this is totally tmi and if you're grossed out maybe don't listen for the next 30 seconds a girl on the train sneezed on my leg and a bogey flew out her nose and landed on my leg and I literally just looked at her didn't say anything I just looked at her like with the look of like uh-huh. are you freaking serious she didn't say anything she didn't yeah, she wouldn't say anything she didn't apologize she didn't say like she literally just picked it off my leg and then went to sleep on her bag I got like she was having a bad day as well she better not she got on at Gatwick airport like with her boyfriend and I was like you've just been on holiday and you've sneezed on me I've now got coronavirus because of you I don't really guys I'm just saying anyway luckily I had a bottle of hand sanitizer in my bag you best believe that whole bottle went all over my leg I was like scrubbing my trousers with like I had tissues and hand sanitizer and I was like I got to work I washed my hands I was like ew So I was already having a bad day. Then this happened. Then I had a meeting with my manager. And you know when it's just all these little small things that I wish someone had told me at the time rather than waiting a month to have like a monthly meeting to be like, this is all the things that we don't like. I'm like, just tell me not to do it that way. And I wouldn't have done it. it Anyway, one of the things was, and as you guys know, I have had many an issue with my feet and basically one day I was in the kitchen it was my break and I took my I was sat in like a high stool and I took my shoe off and I was like rubbing the circulation back into my feet because they were so painful anyway instead of someone at the time the one person who was in the kitchen who walked in to get a glass of water and I was sat in the corner by the way I wasn't like near food like or anything I was in the corner just like feeling sorry for myself instead of them saying can you not 
do that. They've like told my manager and then a month later I've had a meeting about not taking my shoes off at work. And I was like, you've made it sound like I'm just some like weird... walking around without your shoes yeah, on. Yeah, like work. I'm some weirdo. I was like on my break, you know, and but yeah, so I got told off for that. And you know, it's it was all those like little petty things That's and I was so petty. And I was like, why can't people just be honest adults and have a grown up conversation there and then? Don't go behind my back and then a month later yeah, I have a also, meeting. So it wasn't like you were walking around the shop floor with your shoes off. You were probably in a staff room kitchen and you just took shoes off for a minute. Yeah. It was a long day. Yeah, I could never work there. So that's what I mean when people are telling me, oh, you can wear these heels all day. No, you freaking can't because I'm on my feet for 12 hours. Do not yeah. give me this. I've tried wearing heels and I just, I just can't do it. Like fashion week is bad enough, but at least you get to sit down in the shows, you know? Like you've got those little breaks and then you walk and then you sit down and then you walk and then you sit down whereas I'm on my feet 24-7 so yeah stop posting workwear inspo if you don't have a job that's my pet peeve <laughs> for this week and long breathe. intro into the main body of the podcast yeah and with that let's move on so as you guys know this week we are asking you what is an influencer we do have a definition here so- I've actually got a book with me I feel like I was back in uni I put sticky tabs in a book Lucy has been great. very organised. I'm loving this. I actually I need to read this book you after you. You do actually you, need to read it. It's amazing. It. It's, so, right, for reference, the book is called Influence. It's by Sarah McCorkwaddle. No idea. We'll post something on our stories about it if yeah. anyone's interested. So, yes, it is from her book. And it's, this is literally the first page. And it is the question is, what is an, an influencer? influencer? And uh, Lucy's holding the book, which signalises she would like me to read this. Yeah, because like, there's one of those words I just end up tripping over. Okay, so. I do, I, do you know what? I'll just read this first page <laughs> to you. So, here is a live reading, guys. Page one, what is an influencer? Influencer, brackets, noun. An individual who has built a digital audience through sharing editorialized content about their life. The big subheading, why did the influencer industry happen? Now this is actually something we kind of talked about with the whole gap of celebrity versus the normal people. This is what Sarah, Sarah has said. Influencer, full stop. A term that is desired and loathed, too true, both by those working with people who hold the title and the individuals themselves. Again, very true. It has many negative connotations, freeloader being the most prevalent one. But in truth, those who deserve the title, brackets, and not everyone who has it does, also so true. God, this girl is reading my mind. I know. You read the book and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. No, this is... This this is everything. This is everything. This is everything I thought it would be. Are entrepreneurs who have not only created a digital entertainment landscape worth billions, but who also dictate where it is going next. Why? Because of the significant captive audiences they have built who follow their every move and thought across multiple social platforms. Rightly or wrongly interchangeable with the titles content creator, blogger, Instagrammer and YouTuber. The word influencer is symbolic of a new kind of media mogul, one who is independent, industrious and has capitalised on their online popularity to launch further creative projects and successful startups. And then underneath it, it says their strengths include being able to adapt nimbly to the ever evolving digital environment, identifying and acting upon opportunities that will result in further growth for their brands and ultimately understanding what makes their audiences tick. I'll read the weaknesses as well. Just to finish it off, we're on to the next page. Their weaknesses, buying too heavily into their own hype, 
so true and being so deeply attuned to the culture they have created within their own platforms that they are entirely out of touch with what is acceptable within a wider cultural narrative oh my gosh yes that is literally what i was talking about last week how influencers are literally in a bubble because normally with influencers and influencer culture and all that kind of stuff and i'm gonna get into my own personal definition of an influencer because i kind of touched on it last week but i feel like i'm gonna properly explain this this week you tend to then almost not necessarily intentionally but self-isolate because you work from home you're not in an office surrounded by other people so the people you are interacting with are the brands but also perhaps other influencers because maybe you're collaborating on a project or a shoot where they might have other influencers involved you then reach out to people who are maybe going through the same things as you there's facebook groups in your own little bubble yeah and instead of working in an office Mm -hmm. where you've got different ages different opinions ethnicities all that jazz you're not in a team you're on your own and therefore it's it is quite a lonely and isolating job but you are then reaching out to other influencers for maybe advice on things and stuff. And so you build that kind of like work-wife relationship and therefore your friends are other influencers. You're not reacting and being around what I would call air quotes, normal people, for want of a better word, because you're only socializing within that group. Within the people who are living the same kind of lifestyle. Yeah, you're only interacting with people who it's really, let's be honest, it's not a normal job. lifestyle it's or job really weird. or way of seeing, interacting with the world. It's something that is so new and we've created. You're playing by your own rules. Yeah, you are. And I think that's also the other problem with influencers is nobody... Yeah, we just read a definition of what an influencer is, but nobody really knows what an influencer is. Yeah, they like, How do you get no... that influencer status? At yeah, what there's point? no cookie-cutter example description and this is something that i'm going to be asking you as well lucy is when you start as an influencer or whatever you are you know creating your own path in the internet culture you're creating your own little section of the internet as it were and no one is really telling you right from wrong you know you're making it up as you're going along most of the time. Yeah, all the time, really. And everyone's got their own definition. So what you think is being an influencer is totally different to what someone else thinks being an influencer is and also what your audience thinks being yeah. an influencer is. So no one has one strict definition. There's no. nothing that says, this is an influencer, this is what it is and isn't, and this is the kind of textbook blueprint to go by. So the other thing you've got to think about is how it has started like years ago. So a really good documentary to watch on Netflix, if you haven't seen it, it's called American Meme. And I actually fully subscribe to this thought process and notion. Okay. The first real influencer, who broke the barrier between celebrity normal person and kind of paved the way for influencer culture was Paris Hilton because she was the first socialite it girl who was famous for being famous. It girls have always been a thing in society. If you go back to like the 20s, for example, and party girls and all that, that's always been around. But the way that Paris Hilton did it was she was able to grasp media attention, media following and a fan base just for being her. I have seen it. Sorry, no. No, that just now clicked it is actually a really interesting it's a really program. interesting documentary and i love all the memes that have come out of this kim kardashian was her intern who was hired to clean out her wardrobe and run her errands and basically kim kardashian was her little bit yeah and then obviously 
Paris Hilton created a brand out of playing the stupid blonde. Like, if you actually listen to Paris Hilton, she is very intelligent. Mm. If you listen to her in interviews where she's talking about business and stuff, she is an entrepreneur. She has been able to self-evolve. She has been able to change and adapt her brand as and when. And she found her little niche in the market that no one else was doing. She was able to pull in her other celebrity friends. So obviously, Nicole Richie was her little sidekick. They formed The Simple Life, which was kind of taking the piss out of, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing in my life kind of thing. Obviously, she was friends with Lindsay Lohan, Britney Spears. You know, that was kind of like her tribe. Very much how like Taylor Swift is with Cara Delevingne and yeah, that, that kind lot. of sign. She was like the original one. She would take selfies. She freaking sold her own sex tape and called it A Night in Paris, which is such a genius title in itself. It works on so many levels. She is the original self-marketeer. Yeah. If you want. And that was back in the early 2000s. Now, fast forward 20 years, that role hasn't really changed. However, there are so many people doing it and it's become so saturated. That it's, it's also become a lot easier for people. Yeah, so she's kind apps. of paved the way of well, yeah, how to I mean, do this. Anyone can download an app and start an Instagram or start a Facebook, start a Twitter, whatever, and can start building that. So that, like you said, has saturated the market massively. Yeah. It's now actually become less of a special thing. Yeah, it's not as not prestigious every, yeah, anymore. Not everyone can do it. No, everyone can do it, so it's not it's losing its value. Yeah, whereas when you look at traditional celebrities such as singers or Hollywood actors yeah. or anything like that, it's still so difficult to break into the industry and make it, air quotes, it's really hard to get into the Met Gala because it is a invitation only by Anna Winter event. It happens once a year. It's not like fashion week where you've got two opportunities a year to like yeah. get a ticket. And there's multiple shows and they're all at different levels and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's so mainstream to call yourself an influencer because it doesn't really have a definition. So it encompasses so much that whatever kind of niche or, you know, thing you, you do, do, you can call yourself an influencer. I think that's why I prefer the word content, content creator. Yeah, content creator yeah. because not everyone can actually be an influencer. Yeah. So for me... Yeah, let's go on personal. Yeah, personal. Def- personal definition for me, I think an influencer is somebody who creates content who's got a large audience and uses mm-hmm. that audience to share personal stories, to reach out to them. That does include brand partnerships and collaborations. And I think that is what an influencer is. Whether they do that for in a positive light and mm. they actually are influencing people in a positive way, like they're sharing emotional stories, yeah. or anything like that. Or if they're doing it because they just want fame and money, yeah, that's up to them. So I think everyone can be a content creator, but not everyone can be an influencer. See, I've got a very different definition and this is what makes this so interesting. So. For me, when I'm listening to yours, I feel like yours is very tailored to self-media. And by self-media, I mean things that aren't on a traditional gatekeeping platform where there's multiple people involved, such as magazines, websites, that kind of thing. It's very much like you can do it from your phone, Facebook, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. So for me, an influencer is someone who has a mass following, but is able to, and in a literal sense, influence a lot of change within a large group. So people like, obviously, Greta, you know, Michelle Obama. These are people who have a large platform, they've got a voice and they're using it in a positive light to make mass change. 
then that kind of filters down into like maybe smaller levels and you've got people who aren't necessarily doing it for like world hunger or climate change or you know all the all the they're doing it for themselves yeah and they are creating a fan base for example Lewis Capaldi now I love his music he is a musician he's an influencer in a lot of ways because he has got people doing memes of him he's got people following him he's got that audience that are so yeah he's cap- done really well actually on like the influencer front but the reason that he is so successful and this again comes back to what we were talking about two episodes ago are you relatable he is relatable despite his success because he keeps it so air quotes real unlike Ed Sheeran who was a busker who is now you know swimming in celebrity events and yeah like money and models and all this kind of stuff Lewis Capaldi is still the guy next door that you go to the pub with sit in a beer garden and have a few pints and like have a laugh he's very normal still despite this mass success the interesting thing is is something that I picked up when reading the book is people now want to become influencers yeah and they want to become influencers to make money to live that but he's kind of like anti that he's like rejecting that culture it's the weird thing of because people want to be influencers they want to have press trips Mm. they want to be gifted things and everything like that Mm. in some ways that's what's holding them back because they're so focused about the perfect life they're actually not showing the real life and the real life is what Mm. brought the, you know, these massive influences yeah. it's what brought their audience in and gave them the, the influencer status so it's that yeah. catch 22 if you want to be an influencer sometimes you've actually got to try and not, not be, be an influencer and then so, you're like oh now I am speaking one. about that and I actually think a YouTube influencer is that very different to an Instagram influencer because an Instagram influencer is a three second scroll past photo you might buy the item and that's kind of it you're not really invested in their life you're not really a fan because you don't really know anything you get a very edited photo that has been posted at a certain time with certain hashtags certain captions blah 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 it depends I think fighting against that depends on how they do it so I follow some people who only have Instagram and they're very clever with their captions so it takes long if you're just looking at photos then obviously you have no idea a big thing at the moment actually is like long captions so one they get a lot more engagement for some reason Um, but it also allows people to find out more information but I don't feel like reading something really gives you the full picture whereas when you look at YouTubers particularly vloggers they are far more influential because you are so invested in their life so for example I follow a amazing content creator called Helen Anderson now I wouldn't call her an influencer I would call her a content creator because the way she is a hasn't changed that's something that has kept my attention for god knows how many years I think she's nearly been doing this like 10 years or something she has the same style same attitude same voice same content obviously you know her camera equipment's got clear and the sound's got better and she does more diverse stuff and she does get great opportunities she's worked with some amazing brands she's gone on incredible trips however this hasn't changed her in the slightest I feel like I am watching the same person five years ago as I am today despite all the things that have gone on in her life she's not edited herself and she's so relatable still and I'm thinking okay you've been able to buy a house through doing YouTube you've been able to go to these events you've been able to travel the world through doing this as a job however the reason she's not an influencer in my eyes is because she's not cultivating this mass change she's not going oh buy this and then 
but she's not but subtly are you influenced by things that she does in her life so if she for example goes to a restaurant or goes and buys a certain thing, item I wouldn't. without shoving this is very clever so influencers can do it in a clever way and actually this is sometimes it works better for them when they are just showing the things that they use in their everyday in life in a very natural in way in a very natural way and sometimes it turns out that working with brands actually damages influencers status yeah because people are so negative and turned off about you the know sponsorship about the sponsorship yeah like I, it being I shoved understand down their throat. that but so I, I still think you can be an influencer even if you're not working with brands i just don't feel like i would go and do something because she's done it like i've got so much respect for helen i've never met her so i'm not saying this in a biased way she's not my friend i don't know her in any way yeah. but i feel like i know the ins and outs of her life because she daily vlogged for so many years and she did the whole literally just woke out of bed her hair is a mess her makeup is not done and she's been very raw she's been very honest and then she's also done the sit down videos where she does look absolutely incredible maybe it's because we've got very different styles she's very rock and roll she's covered in tattoos maybe that's what i mean i do love her style and i think it works amazingly but for you her. know it doesn't work for you yeah i know that i couldn't then just go oh i'm gonna go and get a sleeve yeah. because she's got a sleeve but what i'm trying to say is when she does brand partnerships or brand deals it feels very authentic they are very tailored to her so she bought out a shoe collection and they were very wacky shoes it was with a vegan shoe company she's not vegan herself but she's like dabbled in it a bit and done like vegetarian meals and stuff like that the style was her style the things that she's talked about over the years that she wishes she could find was in her design so I wasn't looking at that going oh well you've just accepted a partnership have you found that YouTube now recommends things that you would never have normally found but is actually very relevant so I followed this creator instantly just because the video was so well spoken about I guess basically it was a response video to a Christian woman who was going for marriage counselling and a Christian marriage counselling service was what her previous video was a brand partnership with okay and apparently i didn't watch the previous video i just watched this response video but the things that she talked about in terms of influencer culture i found really fascinating so i subscribed because i was like this girl's really intelligent she's not just going oh i'm really sorry for offending people she actually like broke down why she took the deal and you know the money behind it and everything she's done lots of brand deals before but the fact that it was a counseling service people were really angry about in this I don't know I don't know why but they thought it was not authentic it wasn't trustworthy whatever she said you know I've been going to this service for months so when they reached out and said oh do you want to do you want to try this yeah obviously she said yes so there's a lot of loopholes because what your audience might be totally fine with which seems very frivolous and totally based on sales and marketing for example if you did a lipstick collaboration it's not bringing any real purpose it's not doing anything good versus this counseling service which she's not saying you have to go to this marriage counseling service she's just saying i've been sponsored to talk about them yeah and she'd already tried it out she was already doing it and she'd spoken in previous videos how she had been looking for a christian counseling service so when this came up she just thought it was a perfect opportunity to talk about but obviously her audience didn't like it and didn't respond well to it i think that's the problem as well so influencers their jobs are so reliant on the thousands and thousands of 
people that follow them. You've seen it all the time. You've seen influencers who mess up, who maybe say something wrong or... <laughs> Alfie Day's one pound video. <laughs> yeah, there's multiple ones. But, you know, there's a lot of influencers yeah. who do really crappy makeup lines or, you know, somebody doesn't disclose a ad on Instagram. Oh my God, that is such so, a big but thing. But that's the thing, that little mistake, which is maybe potentially people just being human or not thinking about the wider audience yeah, we because all they're make in their mistakes. bubble. That can totally affect their entire job. And that's a problem when influencers then are creating content that their audience wants to see, which maybe isn't actually the content that they relate to. Mm. And it's, that's a wider society problem. It's a really fine line because as an influencer, obviously you've got to be very proud of what you're putting out there. It's your reputation. You've got to be doing what makes you happy. On the other hand, you've also got to be making your audience happy. And this is actually something that Helen has talked about a lot because she's a film student by trade. Yeah. The reason that she got into YouTube was because I don't think that she could find a film job that she wanted. So she yeah. was like, I'm just going to make my own stuff. And she did a hair tutorial and it went viral. And people were like, we need to see more. So she kind of like stumbled into YouTube. Into YouTube. Um, Lucky her. Over the years has just been keyword of consistent. She's been regular. She daily vlogged. And she just shared her life and people obviously felt like they'd formed a friendship with her online. Yeah. And this is the other thing, you've got to remember, influencers are not your friends, no matter how much they share with you, they choose what they want to share and you are seeing an edited version. Just throwing this yeah, out Yeah, that there. needs to be remembered by a lot of people. When, when I'm saying people feel like they're friends, you're not really friends. She's talked a lot about sometimes what her fan base or following want from her is not what she wants to do and she rejects that and she said, you know, the original subscribers, the people that really care about me are gonna stay based on they are here for me my personality yeah. what I want to do I totally respect her for that because she could probably have a multi-million following if she lost that sense of authenticity however the backfall of that is she'd lose her authenticity yeah it's quite a big thing of being an influencer or becoming an influencer isn't always about the content that you create it's, it's about, about the relationships you, you have with your yeah. audience and yeah how well I think it's audience... a two-way stream it's yeah. number one about yourself your authenticity who you are and having a personality that attracts people to you and the second thing is having an audience relationship where you are friendly with them but you're not friends yeah you do keep that element of distance so you have that almost like mystery that aspiration of oh i wish i was friends with them oh i wish i was like them but it's also it's influencers who've done really well and we're talking like original kind of generation influencers are relatable in the fact that they are the kind of people next door when they're different from someone say like paris hilton they haven't been born into a lot of money yeah. they've made it through doing Other crappy mean. videos in their bedroom doing yeah. this and doing that and i think influencers once they start making a lot of money and they've kind of been catapulted to this influencer status mm. forget that yeah but it's and they not, can often like lose their way they can, but that's not something that i feel you know we should uh, maybe attack is the wrong word but attack influencers for because as humans we would all do that yeah they, people who try and stay really like authentic and realistic have to really work on that yeah it's they're very kind of fighting. hard it's almost like a job to be yourself when yeah. you're you're trying to do that because that's when you're getting into the micro versus mainstream. So one of the big things that I've obviously said a lot about in this episode is the authenticity. And one of the things that I've spoken about in the past with like In The Fro, for example, is she's done a lot of work with competing brands. So she's done a lot of work with Armani Beauty and Dior Beauty. 
They are both luxury or, you know, high-end market makeup. makeup lines. And in theory, are competitors. Yes, they will have different audiences. Yes, they might have different aims and objectives for their brand and what they're trying to get out of campaign. But by choosing an influencer, you are almost saying what you want. You want this type of audience. You want this type yeah. of market this type of money income from your audience they have a demographic in their mind and that's why they choose that influencer because an influencer for the brand is the trickle down middleman between them and the consumer it, to put it bluntly that's what an influencer is yeah basically. they are a human guinea pig promotion of the product maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable spending 60 pound on a lipstick i know i certainly wouldn't however i mean i would if i had the money if a brand is able to showcase this lipstick on someone as a demonstration people might be a bit more inclined to go oh you know what that is really good i like that i'm actually going to invest my money yeah so it's all about building the audience's trust for the brands they are trusting the influencer and they are trusting the influencer's audience to build that relationship the other thing the other side of it is the influencer is also trusting the brand. The influencer is trusting the brand to deliver a product that their audience are gonna like, that is relatable to their audience and also to them as a person. Now, the reason I mentioned In The Fro and you know her competing brands, and a lot of influencers do this, when influencers work with competitor brands or brands that are very similar, it loses the trust value. It loses the value of both of the items because it feels like they are just taking money they are just taking the deal and the authenticity of which brand they actually favor and which brand they actually prefer gets lost because you're like well you said last week that this was your favorite foundation and now you're saying that this it's, one's your yeah. favorite foundation it's very difficult and i think a lot of influencers have done this if not all influencers have made this mistake at some point they've taken too much on because they probably do like both foundations or both lipsticks or both hair brands whatever it is i don't have a favorite one makeup brand i use loads of makeup brands I think how they can battle it is how they word mm. those kind of things wording on social media has changed massively with the whole laws of you know ads and gifting and all of you yeah. know, declaring everything so i feel like influencers now aren't making the stupidly big claims that they used to like oh mm. this is the best thing in the world because you know it does this this and this higher end influences with large followings are giving more of their honest opinions and mm. in some ways are not i can't say are making it relatable because the kind of content they produce isn't relatable it's not it's not for yeah. either of us because yeah. we can't afford that lifestyle it's relatable to some people but it's not so much to us but oh, actually a... speaking of price point the girl that i was telling you about counseling she was talking about which ones she rejected and yeah, stuff. and she had a pajama company reach out to her and she asked to try the pajamas how she does it is she does like a month trial of a product before okay. she says yes or no which i think is a brilliant way of doing it because yeah clever you a get to try the product yourself but also you really know the product by using it every yeah, day you're for not a month. getting a product sent and having to do a turnaround of two days throw out an image with a caption like boom yeah she was like yep yeah, i love the pajamas really like them what's the price point and they said it was 200 pounds and she knew that a, she wouldn't spend £200 on a pair of pyjamas, but also her audience wouldn't. Yeah. So as much as you love the brand, she was like, this isn't for me because this price point is off. And I think that's a key thing that a lot of influencers need to remember is the price point that you are given has to be affordable to who you're selling it to. Because although you can afford it because you're getting paid 
to talk about it, uh, they so might I not. Don't, I do and I don't agree with that because I think... Then it's hard coming back you, to your point. Yeah, well, coming back to my point, it's harder the You don't know who's following you. You don't know what their income is. And if you're following a, a luxury influencer, mm. which most you can tell pretty quickly from mm. the kind of content that they produce, you're going to expect to see luxury content. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'd ever see... You know, someone like in the fro promoting maybe Zara yeah. or something or doing a campaign like that. But I would say I'd see like someone who's got, you know, 30,000 or 50,000. And this is where I find it a bit weird with Lydia is she does H&M campaigns and I'm like, all of your stuff is luxury. Like that's yeah. where I'm a bit I mean, like, if you're, that it's if out you're of place. putting luxury out there, mm. stick with luxury because there were, there is a market for luxury. There's yeah, there's a massive. market. And but I also think you can have a luxury market without expecting your followers to buy it. So you know how yeah. I talked about Sophie? She's very aware of her audience and saying, you know, if you can't afford this bag, don't buy it. It is not worth getting yourself in debt for just because I have this bag. Yeah. And I actually disagree with you. You can know your audience based on if you look at a demo graphics and stuff but if you actually click on the profiles you get a sense of you do but if you've got a hundred thousand yeah, followers that's true. there's a point where i have a th- what 1700 followers i don't know who half of them are because mm. i'm not clicking through over a thousand different profiles yeah. on instagram so i think you obviously can know their demographic and you can know some of the ones who are more maybe more vocal on your yeah. um, platforms and sharing things and if they're giving feedback like who post content with a luxury brand and they're everyone's kind of going oh my gosh you know i really don't agree with this or this is so out of my price point wish I could own that Mm. then maybe you could start to see actually maybe I should also supplement this with some different stuff yeah I see a lot of luxury influencers being asked for like dupes or like similar products that aren't so expensive then that's a perfect avenue for them to exploit they can go actually I've tried this luxury thing it's amazing if you can afford it go ahead I would recommend it however have you seen this which is you know you can buy like the um Bottega Veneta shoes that everyone's like going mental over Topshop have an almost identical version. Yeah. And if you look at the price point of £400 versus maybe 30 to 60 that's a, a nice little wedge that you have saved. I also know that another online company, they do a pair for £40. So it's about shopping around, but a lot of people, they go to influencers because they don't have time. You know, influencers are at home pretty much all day. Between editing and making videos, they've got time to research and internet shop and look around. The people that are coming to these influencers are coming for the information because they don't have the time. Yeah, but then also pick which influencers you're going to. If you haven't got a luxury budget, don't don't go look at a luxury influencer because they're not going to show you content that is you can get it for inspiration. Yeah, and I think that's actually one of the things influencers are really good at is providing inspiration. Mm. Um, I think like, there's you know, a lot fashion of fashion magazines used to do. Yeah, they would show you, know, you think of Vogue when they're like shooting ridiculous outfits like, of like three thousand pounds. Three thousand pounds, exactly. Yeah. The, most people who buy Vogue can't afford a three grand jacket, but they use that to see what's in trend. To see, yeah. and I think I had a point which also was mentioned in the book. It's how kind of influencers are becoming solo run social media agencies. Yeah, they are their own, and it goes to the point of you know they do everything. Yeah, which also means that. They maybe sometimes have no idea how to do anything. You know, they have to run everything. They've got to deal with the brands that are coming in. They are showing their audience this season's inspiration. They're yeah. showing what they're liking, what they don't like. As a 
fashion or lifestyle However, that doesn't do. mean that they should do hauls all the time to show everything. Only show what's relevant to your audience, yeah. people. But yeah, still, you know, you'd flick through a fashion magazine, you'll see maybe mm-hmm. like different skincare things and an editorial of colour or where you could go on your next holiday, blah, 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 blah. And that's in some ways mm. what influencers are doing. Yeah. Just I think in a weird it's, way. It's a very murky ground because there are so many loopholes and plot holes that they can fall into however you have to assess it based on the size of the influencer so if you've got a very small influencer that you're following who's and by small i'm talking like maybe like 10 to 20k building influencers are from three now apparently oh really yeah um research from my dissertation however brand you know those agencies where you can work with brands they still require 10 to 15 tribe which is a crap app and it's so mass kind of campaigns it's ridiculous but they accept people from 3000 so there's certain platforms that do from three yeah but you obviously get the decent ones slash get paid well for it at about 10 yeah but if you want to do like teeth whitening and stuff then then three is fine yeah if you're following someone with a much smaller audience expect very personal content that's just tailored about them so i know that helen anderson does like a lot of fashion videos that are just catered to people who are size 14 yeah that's her that's her size that's her market don't then expect her to show you stuff that is a size six yeah i'm not going to watch it and go well i can't buy that because i'm a uk four to six why is she not catering to me huge problem with social media is we do forget that the influences that we follow are Mm. humans who are you know potentially dealing with the same problems we're dealing with so what do you think of influencers who have like assistants and basically people that are running their job and they are no longer actually doing the content themselves because they have editors they have obviously photographer is a bit different because you need someone to take a photo I was gonna of say, you that doesn't bother me because everyone does everyone has got someone who helps them out see i think when you're no longer editing your own videos or you know if that's how you started I understand that you might not have the time and stuff, but then when it becomes like you're barely involved and you're just like the face, that's when I think you've, you've then, reached okay, so maybe like looks... celebrity standpoint. But then I think influence, some influencers have become celebrities. I yeah. think when you get to top, like huge following influencers, mm. the line between influencer and celebrity is so thin and blurred. Mm. And the Italian like first blogger, the Blonde Salad, she started back in 2009 and she was like one of the first big fashion bloggers. She's a model now more than a blogger or content creator because she's not actually creating it. She's got a team of people who are shooting the content, editing it, uploading it, doing like she's got an agency of her own. Around her. Obviously she's not making any of the clothes that she designs. She has a meeting and goes, this is what I like points does a bit i mean i'm not saying that she doesn't do anything but like she's got so many influencers do that though with clothes and stuff yeah that's another issue (laughs) but basically she has got to the point over what 11 years where she's now basically a model more than anything else and that i don't mind so much because it's been a long-term progression she's done so much content that it's kind of like she's not saying oh yeah i design everything in my clay i do this so i think it it depends i think it's better to follow a fashion influencer who actually 
works in fashion because they know what they're actually talking about so for example i think no i think it depends on why you're following them so i think if you're following a fashion influencer for like i don't know trends or styles or what's new or whatever then if you're following someone like a fashion editor or a personal shopper or a personal stylist or someone like that whose job it is to do that for a living i think they are going to be a much more reliable source than following someone who just shops a lot. You know, when it comes to talking about brands, when it comes to going to events, they're doing it for work. They're not going as a privileged guest or a VIP. They can actually talk about the clothes or the collections in a far more detailed way. Yeah, but then way. It comes, I think it goes down to how much time people want to spend researching the kind of clothes and why they're doing certain trends. We are influenced massively by the trends that we see on social media even mm. fashion companies are reacting to trends being seen yeah. on social media now so it depends on why you're following someone and that goes down to personal responsibility of who you decide to follow yeah which i always think it's great to follow a mix of people yeah not like i'm not saying that i don't follow influencers because i do but i will follow maybe people that shop a lot just because of their personal taste you still like their personal taste you yeah but i find i wouldn't necessarily say they are a good fashion influencer that's kind of what i mean so i would say oh i like what she wears but i wouldn't say oh she's a really good fashion influencer because she only knows what's in a certain store because she shops there a lot if you get what i mean yeah, so like what what makes someone a a fashion influencer or a beauty influencer or anything like that because every influencer is just sharing their own opinion again this one thing i found really interesting and it was only uploaded this week was natalia taylor who is a youtuber she posted a video called i'm done pretending and she was from i want to say ohio and she moved to california and she kind of got thrown in the deep end of actually seeing what it's like when you go from being a little influencer at home in a small town to the big leagues of where everyone's an influencer. And in the video, she kind of talks about noticing the two different types of influencer. And this is where I think, coming back to my original definition of having someone who has a voice and they're trying to make positive change and doing something good, is the first type of influencer who is trying to create content that is inspiring, informative, educational, and they are doing it with social responsibility. So they understand that they have a platform, they understand that they have an audience who are gonna be watching this. Yeah. Yes, they might say something that they might not mean and it's taken out of context and whatever, but they'll make an apology and say, that's not what I meant or whatever. And those are the people who she classes herself as and I watching it would class her as one of those types of influencers. So those are the people who are very edited about what they upload online, they are a face for themselves they are seeing themselves yeah. as a brand and they are cautious about not doing something that's controversial I think perhaps that's what people forget is when you start doing you know social media as your job or influencing as your job you become the brand of you yeah. and if you make that jump to go from you know i'm just enjoy posting things about my life mm. of you know what i eat what i wear events that i go to mm. to i'm going to push this platform to be my work, mm. you have to understand that your life is now becoming a brand yeah. and you have to treat your life and yeah. what you post on social media as a brand. Yeah, so that was the second thing she said. So she thinks that she falls into this first category or likes to class herself as this first category. And then the second category is people like Jake and Logan Paul who are doing things for media attention, who are doing it for fame, money, to get people talking about them. And I yeah. would say like maybe the Kardashians fall into this kind of... I still think the Kardashians have done really well. Oh, they've been so clever. I'm not. I'm not 
disputing that, but I'm saying celebrities who are like that, who are doing things for media headlines, who are yeah. doing things, who are wearing things or maybe saying things or whatever to get reaction, to get audience attention, who are looking for the clickbait titles with the shocking thumbnails and stuff like that. Those are the kind of two categories. And I thought that this video that she did, which was quite heartfelt, she just kind of was having a bit of a rant saying that she's not going to pretend that she's okay with being one of these celebrities who maybe does something to be seen as, oh, like that's a bit sensational. This is where I think the question of can anyone be an influencer comes into play because is it about numbers and social recognition? And that's where you've got like your micro influencers versus mainstream. You might not necessarily go into it saying, oh, I want to be an influencer, but yeah. you know, you might have a niche for something and that's what you talk about a lot and you build a following because I don't know, maybe you have like a minimalistic interior account and you post a lot about that or you know, you have a certain color palette that you talk a lot about, whatever it is. Then you go into the mainstream and you get a bit bigger or is being an influencer someone who is just in the public eye and has a lot of attention on them. So can you become an influencer no matter what your size following is what I'm asking? Yes, I think you can. But looking at your point, can anyone be an influencer? I personally think anyone can, but that not everyone should. Oh yeah, I would 100% agree on that. that. Because it's, anyone can post information online and, you know, inform people, influence people, but some people do it just for the money and to create the lifestyle that they yeah. want. What I find really interesting about influencer culture is that brands, like we've said, they don't often understand it. So they will go with someone who has a big following or a lot of numbers and following and numbers doesn't mean that it's going to be a successful yeah, collaboration. Yeah, one of my things is the problem with the word influencer is people expect it to have a large following mm. and brands will always go with the, the big large, number. The big number. Yeah. And actually you need to look at engagement rates over just followers because if you've got an audience that are really engaging with and an not necessarily like huge engagement numbers but maybe even if you have like loyal followers so ones that always respond yeah. versus someone that goes oh my god you look amazing on one photo so you might have a photo that has a lot of engagement but it could be people that are just commenting that once you've got to give it so brands obviously only see numbers yeah annoyingly which they is don't very go, wrong which is very wrong but they also don't you know go look through yeah photos and thousands and thousands of comments so this is when obviously media packs are really handy for people to create so yeah. everyone should probably have one of them but that kind of breaks down how engaged they're audience are if it's just bot comments or if it's actually like mm. decent comments influencers do best when they are engaging with their audiences which is again why i don't think everyone should be an influencer yeah because some people create influencer content but they're not actually responding back to the people engaging with them you look at places so for example the tourism in bali has gone up massively in the yeah. last few years and that whole country is changing at the moment because they're building loads more infrastructure they're building hotels and everything because of the massive influx yeah. of very beautiful content being shared from Bali. Influencers have to sometimes think, it's that balance, isn't it? Because they're like, oh, to hit influencer status, I need to go have three weeks in Bali, travel around and get the photos here, That's there, kind here, of like what here. we were talking but about, also, what, buying your way into Yeah, so, but what's culture. that? How is that talking to your audience who then mm. also want to go, oh my gosh, I need a holiday in Bali. And actually, can that country or that city or, you know, whatever you're promoting, mm. can that support the sudden influx that you are 
feeding it. There's lots of videos on YouTube as well of divers and stuff that do ocean fishing yeah. through the plastic that has come from all these tourists going, doing all their photo shoots and all their props and stuff and then leaving the trash. And mm. there's lots of people that are like, oh, so you think Bali looks so great and so perfect. Here's it doesn't. All, here's yeah. all the kind of backstory behind it. And I think that comes down to, again, the responsibility of the influencer. But I think actually you shouldn't even say influencer. It's the responsibility of, of the, all of us. Yeah. I remember um, when I went to Barcelona, I posted an Instagram story saying I literally just to sit down on the main beach in Barcelona. We went to lots of different beaches, but to sit on the main beach, I had to clear so much trash yeah. and so much plastic just to put a beach towel down. I got a plastic bottle and I filled the plastic bottle with trash. And then I found another plastic bottle and I filled that with trash. And I ended up with like three plastic bottles full of rubbish mm. just to go and visit the beach. I personally think anyone can be an influencer and I agree with you, not everyone should. should. And I think don't become an influencer or look to become an influencer if you are not prepared for the social responsibility that is going to come with it be that responding to comments and not just being like oh thanks but actually being like genuine with your audience yeah. in natalia's video she actually got asked if she hated her subscribers a lot of people see being so sought after as some kind of burden and her response was no like my fans have got me here yeah the reason that i am at the point that i am is because of these people and i feel like a lot of influencers end up begrudging these people being like oh god but I think we might see a collapse no do you know what I wouldn't say collapse because I think the ones that have really embedded themselves as influencers are gonna be okay but I think we might see a decline on the number of people who want to become influencers or pushing that based on how much stuff they've actually got to do yeah but looking at because it is work it is it's really is work and there's a lot of work to it and you are self-employed which gives you no financial stability on anything yeah. and you have tax returns and you've got to pay for this equipment and that equipment and you've got to think it how can I fit that brand deal it, around it? that brand deal and do all of this I hope that people will stop trying to push being influencers unless they've actually got something to a talk story about. to tell mm. or some value to it and I think that's going to be beneficial because it's only been around last 10 years 10 years which i think was kind of the big huge push for influencers yeah and then everyone was like oh my god you know we all want to be an influencer and then they've kind of realized actually i've got nothing to give as an yeah. influencer i'm just following the same trends doing the same thing yeah if you're just repeating content like the tiktok thing that i spoke about in previous episodes if you're just being an influencer because you think it's a glamorous lifestyle or you think it's going to be easy like it's not yeah a lot of agencies now are not taking models because they are not influencers so one of the big things at the moment and this has kind of gone up in the last kind of maybe five years is modeling agencies will now look at a model's instagram following before they even think about signing her which i think is absolutely ridiculous because her instagram following does not determine her looks it doesn't determine her ability to do the job it doesn't determine her professionality but it does help it helps maybe with selling things it helps yeah but most of the models today that we see all the time weren't influencers before they got started yeah. carly Kloss was 15 years old when she started modeling look at her now you can build your empire based on being a successful model the only real exceptions and again they were famous beforehand so it makes a complete difference was the hadid sisters 
Bella and Gigi yeah. and Kendall. You know, yeah. they were already famous, so they already had that influence. I hence why they were, it you depends know. on what kind of agency you're going for, because I was watching quite an interesting YouTube about the difference of a, air quotes, real model and mm. an Instagram model. Oh, there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference between them, and it depends on the kind of jobs you're going for. If you're going for maybe an editorial job that is a little bit different or something like that, I think, I you mean, might require maybe an actual model. like an e-commerce model, then maybe it helps. But again, people are going to buy the clothes based on whether they like yeah, I, like I To me, just... I think I understand it to a yeah. certain extent, but I do think it is complete bullshit that you cannot sign a model based on her social following because there are so many undiscovered models out there or people that were discovered and have massive followings now based on being a but it model. Goes, it goes for a lot of jobs. You do any social media jobs, the first thing they look at is your social media. And if you're going for like a social media coordinator mm. and they're like, well, you haven't got a huge social yeah, media following. but that's being a social media coordinator. That's not being a model. That's not determining whether you look good in the clothes, whether you can turn up on time, act professional, do your fucking job. And a lot of people in media haven't got social media accounts. A lot mm. of these people in fashion magazines have got terrible Instagram accounts. Yeah. Most of the people that work in these big, high, glossy fashion influencer trend-based magazines such as Elle, Marie Claire, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, you look at some of their Instagrams and they are terrible. The actual fashion and beauty editor of Instagram, she's got a huge Instagram following, but you look at her content and it's not amazing content. It's yeah. very real. It's very normal content. You wouldn't look at it and go, wow, she's an amazing fashion and amazing beauty influencer. She runs Instagram. That's what pisses me off and I think that's what needs to change. When you have influencers going to events that have got absolutely all to do with them. For example, influencers attending things like the Brits, who are not singers, who are not in music, who are not even like music video editors or literally have got nothing to do with the music industry. Maybe that's a bad example, but the BAFTAs was a massive one this year. Unless you work in film, television, or have any relation to that job, you should not be at an award ceremony for something that you have no involvement in. That's what pisses me off. That comes down to the company. Why would they, Mm. again, this goes back to brands, but why would they invite an influencer who isn't in that field, who doesn't do that? Mm. That is solely down to them. They would invite them because it increases media coverage and you've got to think to reach the audience of but it has no young... e- it, ugh, my thing is it has no effect on the results it has no effect on people no, it who wins and if I was it's... a f- like Oscar celebrity and I'm at the Vanity Fair party and I'm like you've never worked on a film you've never been in I'm like get the f*** out yeah the only reason I knew what day the Brits were this year because I saw influencers that I follow on Instagram going to it I don't you know like some people like schedule their lives like oh I'm gonna stay up or, like I'm not saying <laughs> like, I care yeah. but what I'm saying is for me especially because you know acting is like one of my biggest passions it f- me off seeing people who aren't involved and shouldn't be there because award ceremonies are basically a celebration for that industry or that event so whether it's the enemy awards and it's upcoming newer younger artists yeah. you know you're not gonna have elton john there no. it's for people that are kind of more fresh and kind of breaking into the industry a couple of friends of mine in a band called noisy they were at the enemies and i was so freaking proud of them but they should be there because they are musicians who are breaking into industry it, they are at festivals 
the only like, reason influencers are now being invited to these things is because it increases the media coverage mm. that they are getting and that the awards are getting because actually the thing of giving awards I'm like that's amazing people should get recognition for the work they've done mm. but the whole kind of over the top glamour mm. evenings that are put also, on the TV I do and want stuff, to say I think well done a bit outdated I think well done to the Baptists who did serve a fully vegan meal though that was a very good touch they did a thing yeah. about climate change and there was I think it was the Baftas as well I could be wrong but they made all of their guests wear old recycled dresses Fair. or dresses that like they'd worn at but previous think, events uh, like things like award ceremonies or you know Met Gala why is the theme not recycled zero waste fashion I'm just saying get on it that should be the next theme I'm saying it now that's my idea it's got to fit with what they are showing isn't it yeah, but still, that should be the next should thing. Be. But I see a lot with press nights and a lot of influencers going to theatre shows who have maybe never actually done anything in theatre and they're going to, you know, mm-hmm. West End opening nights. But they are going because theatre is trying to get younger audiences in. I think it's a bit different with theatre opening nights because theatre is for everyone. You can it go is, and watch the theatre. But an opening night is yeah. one of those ones. It's an invite only. It's the producers. Yeah. It's the people who have worked on it. It's The you know, journalists. I've, yeah. I've been to, you know, quite a few press nights because I've worked on them and yeah, they're no, not... I, I do understand what you're saying. general public can't book. Yeah. You can't book into that. I'm not saying like gifted theatre experiences are bad, but when influencers are going to the press nights, I can understand why because they're opening up theatre to a wider audience yeah, and you know again with music awards younger audiences probably aren't watching music awards they're not as a mm, bigger thing and yeah. to get younger audiences I in think the it's first a bit thing different they do is influencers you, I think it's a bit different when you've got things like the Nickelodeon Teen Choice Awards and stuff like that that's a bit of a different category but when it's something very prestigious and something that is very tailored to one type of job such as the BAFTAs or the Oscars or something like that that's when I think there should be a line and it should be like no you're not but involved it's also opening up to a wider community yeah but how long audience. have we known about the, the Oscars you yeah. have but I'd never be able to tell you what day it's on it's never been something that I've you yeah, know, but we looked don't even... at or watched or anything I'm like meh don't really care yeah but that's because you don't really care what I'm saying is that has been an institution that has run for how many decades and but they've got to keep it running it would though in the 90 years or whatever it's been it hasn't failed you know what I mean I think you're ruining the reputation and you're ruining the prestige of said events and also it comes down to like stupid brands sending them to these things you get a lot of influencers obviously that go to festivals and stuff yeah for festival fashion and i'm like you don't really care about the music but whatever when you've got oh polly gifting these tickets and i'm like why is oh polly sending them or like fashion shows and influences them if it's someone like the blonde salad yes you write about fashion every day you have a fashion collection like you know your okay someone like in the fro i'm a bit like Eh. yeah like you've got a phd in mobile digital commerce you've got a book you've been doing it for 10 years you've had collaborations with brands like yes someone like lydia and i'm like lydia doesn't know about fashion Mm. she admits that she doesn't know even the names of some of her bags that she owns she just buys what she likes and she did a video of why i shouldn't be invited to paris fashion week and again all her titles are complete clickbait if it's someone like that i think it's a very awkward line but if it is someone who is literally just an instagram influencer then i think it's like get out i think fashion shows again it should be about the 
actual fashion community designers editors yeah you find a lot like, of the actual fashion community are stopping going to so many shows now because they well, just you don't want to have to deal with the hundreds of thousands this is why fashion london fashion week i think has lost all meaning i think yeah, it's oh, becoming irrelevant london is the biggest one to lose all meaning paris is probably still the most but then again i'm seeing actually one. more influencers going to paris than i am new york or milan yeah, more, where are they based because paris is the cheapest one to go to from yeah, here but it's also the <laughs> everyone home of couture, did- so in theory you should have the best of the best whether the t- like, everyone from here goes to London and Paris because you can do it quite cheaply Milan's not that far anyway yeah. that's a whole nother thing thank you so much for yeah. listening to that very heated rant at the end I do appreciate it I was not organised and I didn't post on my story quick enough so <laughs> I apologise because only a small amount of you have seen it because I've only just posted on it however we will next week read out the comments and thoughts from this week like we did the other yeah. time because you know I need to be back on it I'm not I've been busy guys I haven't been in the swing however we have talked a lot so maybe it's a good thing that we don't have all the responses and questions in this one I'm gonna leave it with the motivational quote I think it's my turn it's been a long time since I've said one so I feel like it's my turn so Lucy this is aimed particularly at you yeah I've just read this and literally it it more pisses me off than is actually motivational so well done babes no you're welcome I like this quote Lucy kind of looks like she wants to hit me right now just know that rejection is really redirection it's not it's f-ing annoying rejection is f-ing annoying guys you're allowed <laughs> to be my, annoyed about it so that's my quote for you guys i really hope that you guys enjoyed listening to this one this is quite a heated one so thank you very much we will be back next week and we're going to be talking about buying things that you cannot afford mm-hmm. if you want to see more from us follow us at the paid in exposure podcast on instagram you can also follow myself at b underscore a rose and of course also follow lucy at lucy alice underscore creative thank you so much for listening guys we will be back with a brand new episode 6 a.m check us out on spotify and apple podcasts